Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. 720 WGN, I'm John Landegger, and I'm going to put a listener advisory out right now. We're going to talk to the Disgusting Food Museum, which is in Sweden. And when I tell you some of what we're about to discuss is disgusting, trust me, it's disgusting. In fact, in preparation for what we're about to do, I took a look at some of the disgusting foods that are included at the Disgusting Food Museum. And quite frankly, my stomach is still churning. So, listen at your own risk. Don't say I didn't warn you. Andreas Ahrens is with us. Good evening and welcome to WGN in Chicago. Good evening. Thank you very much. What is your title? I would be the museum director of the Disgusting Food Museum. Before we go any further, I have a sneaking suspicion that there is method to the madness, so to speak. You have a place called the Disgusting Food Museum, which on the surface sounds, well, disgusting. But as I read some of your literature that's included in some of these displays, you're really about a higher calling, are you, actually? Yeah, we definitely are. So basically, we have two main messages. The first one is that none of the foods in the museum are actually disgusting. It's just disgusting if you're not used to it. So we have foods from all different cultures. And all of them are normal in the cultures that they come from. We have plenty of Swedish things. We have American things that we get kind of, um, we get accustomed to as we grow up. And then we see them as normal. But other cultures see them as disgusting. I understand that logic completely. Although it's going to, my brain is going to be, going to have to be rewired to to accept (laughs) some of these foods that I'm not, that my culture did not bring me up in uh, consuming. How long has the disgusting food museum been disgusting? And what was the reason for starting it? So we've been disgusting for close <laughs> to five years. We, we opened uh, 2018 uh, in, in October. So we're very close to our five-year anniversary. And the idea came from just traveling the world, trying different things around the world and seeing that, hey, this is actually quite nice if I just give it a chance. But we also have a second message, which is that we have to move on to protein sources that are better for the environment. Things like insects, eating the whole animal, lab-grown meat, things that might appear disgusting at first look. So are you... The, did you say you were the curator? I'm sorry, I might have missed that. <laughs> I am the museum director and one director. of the founders. Who who curates this stuff? I mean, who who is the food finder, so to speak? Oh, that would be me as well. Uh, oh, me okay. and my, my friend Samuel <laughs> were together, but uh, since, uh, well, a couple of years ago, I yeah. run it together with my wife and a, a team of, of expert disgustologists. <laughs> Ah, disgustologists. There's a new word yes. for me that I'm gonna I'm gonna have that printed on a <laughs> shirt or something. Good evening. I'm John the Discologist. So obviously there's there's a sense of humor used to sell uh, these ideas that foods from different cultures can bring 
people together. Have you, your wife, or anybody else tried everything that's in the museum? Well, some of the things we uh, have not been able to source the original item, and we had to make a replica. But basically everything that is possible to try, I have tried. And actually, everyone who works in the museum, including our uh, our cleaner, have to try everything in the tasting bar. We have a tasting bar wow. with about 25 different things. And before the interview, they have to taste everything. So when people come to the museum, they take a disgusting tour. Do they get disgusting taste treats, too? Do they get to sample what's in the museum? Yes. Well, first of all, they need the most important thing, and that would be a ticket that is in the form of a vomit bag. Oh, uh, come and they on. Do get used- now, wait a minute. <laughs> a ticket in the form of a vomit bag. You think yes, he's joking? We- I want to tell you right now, people listening, you think he's joking. Wait till we get what we're really talking about, the food that, that's included in this uh, disgusting museum, and you'll get it. Okay, so you get your vomit bag because you may need it. Is that correct? You may need it, and Mm -hmm. we've had 399 vomits to date since we opened. We are we have a vomit counter that we update every time someone vomits, and we are eagerly anticipating number 400. We've prepared a little goodie bag for that person (laughs) and uh, all kinds of things. What is a vomit counter? Oh, you mean it counts vomit? It counts. You mean I'm sorry, I misinterpreted. It counts the number of times people vomit, right? I was thinking maybe. Oh, look, here's a counter. I can sit down and uh, here's where people vomit. I don't know. So (laughs) no, no, it's literally a chalkboard with a number of vomits since we opened. (laughs) Wow. So would you, if somebody vomits, do you look upon that as a victory? Well, we see it more as an inevitable risk of, of working there. Uh, everyone has had their their time to clean up a that unfortunate vomit that doesn't hit the bag and, and rather hits the floor. But it's we're pretty accustomed to it. It happens a few times a week usually. Well, let's. Oh, first of all, let's get down to exactly where you are. Where are you in Sweden? Sweden, correct? We are in yes. We are in the very very south of Sweden in a city called Malmo, the third biggest city. Still quite tiny by international standards, about right. 300,000 people. Uh, quite close to the capital of Denmark, Copenhagen, just across the bridge from there. Do you ever get visitors from the United States who are tourists? We do get quite a lot of them. About half of our visitors are tourists. And Americans wow. are probably uh, about 4 or 5% of our visitors. Man. Well, now that we've stated, gotten to the mission statement... The higher calling, if you will, and some of the more humorous aspects like the vomit bag. Now we're going into the area that I am going to warn everyone. I'm, you're just warned. That's all I can say. So if I throw out, well, I was going to say if I throw up, if I throw out some of the items, can you give a small or well, a description of them if I do that? Certainly. Okay, let's start with Mongolian sheep ball juice. No, Mongolian uh, sheep, sheep eyeball, eye juice. eyeball juice. Wow, how can exactly. I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's literally the eyeball of a sheep that you, you carefully cut around, like cut the eyelids and, and extract the eyeball. And then you put it in some tomato juice and drink it. You can pickle it first, or you can have it raw. Usually people pickle it or Mm. boil it. 
I've had it. It was pretty okay. Not much flavor to it. <laughs> Fruit bat soup. Ah, uh, yes. Fruit bat soup from Guam. So the fruit bats, they eat a certain type of seed that contains a uh, neurodegenerative toxin that uh, gives you a disease that's a bit similar to Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and so on. Wait a minute. Can you just say again what you just said? Because (laughs) I just heard a bunch of... uh, I heard some things there that were like, wait a minute, why would I have anything to eat that's associated with what you just talked... Run run that by me again, please. So, (laughs) absolutely. So, the the bats, they eat a type of seed. uh, And that seed contains a neurotoxin that is harmless to the bats, but it does accumulate in humans eating the, the flesh. And why do you eat it then? Well, because it tastes so good. That's basically, for a lot of these things, that is the reason, you know. It is a cultural thing that we get used to, and over time it becomes ingrained in our culture, and then we just normally eat it, even though it can sometimes be associated with risk. Maggot-infested cheese from Sardinia. Yes, the kasumatsu. Uh, that's actually quite nice. So you take a whole pecorino cheese, say a, a uh, sheep milk cheese, you open the top of it and cheese flies come and lay eggs. Um, the eggs, they hatch up to five to eight hundred eggs. They, uh, the maggots, they eat the cheese, they poop it out and then you eat the cheese, including the still living maggots. Um, you do have to cover your eyes when you do, though, because it can jump up to 15 centimeters. Uh, they can bite into your eyeballs. You get retinal detachment. And worst case, can survive in your intestines and bore through them. So you have to oh. be quite careful when you eat it. I'd like a double portion, please. Wow. <laughs> I've had it, actually. It was, it was pretty nice. It was like a very ammoniated, spicy pecorino. Moving on now. This next one, bull penis. Okay, bull penis, I get it, because, you know, there's something here that we call Rocky Mountain oysters, and I think they're yes, the they're testicles of, of the bull. So, how does one prepare the penis, he said. <laughs> well, it depends on your taste. But, well, usually what people do in China is they boil it in a type of soup. I've made uh, ships with it a couple of times. So you basically you cut it down to urethra, you boil it, um, and then you slice it thinly and deep fry it into kind of like a potato chip, but in penis form. Wow. What a visual. <laughs> okay. I've done it a few times, and it's, it's actually quite nice. You just have to make sure you, you only deep fry it for about seven, seven and a half minutes. Otherwise, it gets a bit burnt. Well, I got. I have two more left. The one I'm going to go to next, I think, will be universally accepted. The last one will be probably universally revolting. Um, yes. History beer. Is that right? From Russia? Uh, I think you might mean the, the perfume. 55% alcohol? Oh, yeah, no, okay. So that's the yeah, the, the end of history beer. That's okay. that's from the U.S., actually, made by oh, BrewDog, thought, a small microbrewery. I'm sorry. I don't know why I got Russia out of that. But you uh, no have, worries. But all I saw was beer, 55% alcohol, and I knew that there would be people who were interested. Okay, this last one. <laughs> this last one well, is... The, the interesting thing with about this though, is that it's actually uh, sold in a bottle that's put inside a taxidermid squirrel. 
comes up with this stuff? This is this is mind boggling. That's all I have to say. It's it's put in a taxidermid. Okay, they take a squirrel, right? Yep. They do what they do to the squirrel, and they put the bottle of the beer in the mouth of the squirrel. Well, they probably put it in the rectum, but it, it oh, uh, wow. exits uh, through the the mouth. Yes. Okay. Last, but definitely not least, and I'm warning everyone right now, I believe it's Korean wine with child feces. Yes, I I had a feeling that would be the one you would mention last. Yeah. Uh, Yes, uh, Tongsul, it's not something that people drink anymore, and it was never about the flavor. It was a medicine. But I, I did make a replica of it that we have in the museum. Because, as you can imagine, it's not something you can exactly buy. So uh, my uh, my youngest daughter, she uh, very happily volunteered a bit of her feces, and we fermented it and uh, made it into wine. Well, bon appetit. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, this has been informative, uh, humorous, and totally disgusting. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Right now, it's the bottom of the hour. Time to get into the WGN Newsroom.